talk. I think that's what Mr. Fuji, maybe. I don't know. It could have been any of it. We will talk New England Patriots right now. Week two of the preseason just wrapped up. And once again, the New England Patriots have drafted a first-round pick that will not be healthy. What a shocker. What a shocker. I want to be surprised, but I'm not. Mike Dussos here from Pat's Propaganda to discuss. Um, This is not the news you want to hear, especially coming out of a draft where, you know, Draft, uh, even draft geeks in, in like that, I like to call them like the, your, your draft nerd, your super drafty people and your casual fans all kind of agreed that this was a good pick of Isaiah Wynn. And now he's going to miss a year of the a torn Achilles. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I think it's, it's kind of two different situations with as far as Michelle, who, you know, had a bum knee and that's why he fell. And, you know, and then when, I mean, it's, it's, he tore his Achilles, he played, you know, almost every game in college. Um, you know, sometimes that's just football. I mean, what do you, you know, there's really no way to predict who's going to take a weird step and, uh, you know, and get a freak injury. So, um, you know, I can definitely have my questions about Sony Michel uh, with his knee issues and, you know, not even really being able to make it a couple weeks in camp without having to already have it drained. Uh, and, you know, you consider they haven't drafted a first-round running back since 2006. And, you know, they've gotten by just fine, kind of using cast-offs like Rex Burkhead, Dion Lewis, guys like that. Uh, but, you know, I guess the silver lining is when you don't draft for need, uh, it's not that big of a blow in the first round. Uh, you know, neither of those guys were, were probably going to be penciled into starters right out of the gate anyway. Uh, you know, you imagine if they had done what most of us kind of thought they were, would do and go try to find that, you know, left tackle of the future. And, and, you know, if that happens to the left tackle of the future that you took in the first round, uh, it's a bigger problem than, uh, than it is now where you kind of had a guy who was probably going to spend a year as a backup anyway. Yeah, it's just not, definitely not optimal. You know what I mean? So, and I, I'm still waiting. I, I, I said it this morning. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on Sony Michelle to be announced. You know that he's on basically on the Malcolm Mitchell plan, where he injures his knee and nobody really knows how bad the knee injury is, and then like he just never quite comes back from it. Like, I'm already, I, I've already braced myself for that news, Mike. <laughs> I know. Well, it's uh, you know, it's just. It's, it's so hard in football because, you know, when you, especially when you're drafting at the bottom of the first round, you're looking for those guys who maybe slip through the cracks and, and you know, you take those chances with, with certain players that, you know, might have a health issue. And, uh, you know, sometimes it works out, but, but recently it sure has not work out, worked out on those guys, that, those injury guys that they've taken chances on. Who, uh, what are we thinking in terms of, you know, week two? I thought the, the pass rush looked really good the other day. Um Obviously, you can only take so much away from preseason games, but this defense—it you know—we've talked about it before—can improve just by improving the pass rush and getting healthy guys back, and then adding a guy like Claiborne in. I mean, I, I feel like they made some pretty shrewd moves uh, defensively this off season. Yeah, it looks good, and I mean, you know, I, I mean, I was just shocked that they're you know sending six-man blitzes in the preseason, and you know, it's yeah. like you know, as much as I want to feel great about. The defense right now, it's like, you know, you got to temper it a little bit because that is not the Eagles offense that shredded the Patriots. I mean, that is a, a straight-up, you know, vanilla version of the Eagles offense that was, you know, just basically your standard offense, which the Patriots always do well against. And, you know, when you're sending six blitzers, if they're not getting home, the problems are a lot bigger uh, than you might imagine. So, 
look, there's certainly a lot to be excited about, and I think people are, um, you know, rightly excited to feel like Brian Flores is going to be more aggressive, uh, you know, by sending more blisters. I, I do think some of that goes back to Bill Belichick, though, who is a, just a conservative coach and, you know, is only going to pick his spots with blisters. But, uh, you know, between Claiborne, who looked great, you get Derek Rivers, who's back and looks great. You throw in Dante Hightower, who, you know, didn't even play against the Eagles. Uh, the development of Dietrich Wise, as well as Adam Butler, uh, the pass rush should certainly be improved, and I, and I think that will make a big difference, no matter how much more or less aggressive they are. Talk with Mike Dusso from Pats Propaganda. Now, where are we now with the whole Eric Decker thing? Because I'm still hearing reports that he might not even make this team. He has the dropsies, as they call it. I, I can't imagine why he wouldn't, but maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's hard because he's you know he ho- he's hopped in here. I mean, he was you know probably coming up on just about two weeks with the team, um, and you know he had that one really glaring. I don't even want to call it a drop. Right. You call it a drop when the ball goes right through your hands. It's, it's kind of more of a brain fart. Yeah. So um, you know they they sure could use him, um, especially in those in those early weeks when you know I think we're looking at Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett who. Uh, Phil Thor sets a whole other can of worms I could talk about. But, uh, you know, the big guy for me right now that I, I'd love to see out there is Kenny Britt. Uh, he did great in OTAs. You know, a lot of, a lot of buzz around him before he, you know, had a, of course, he had a hamstring injury. And, you know, he's been kind of like back on the field, but not really participating in full team drills yet. He was, I guess, a full participant yesterday from, from the reports. Um, I, I think he's the guy that, that would, you know, if there's one receiver that, that's going to kind of pop. Uh, I would love it to be him. I think Patterson has kind of locked himself into that fourth, fifth specialty gadget kind of receiver role, but I don't think he's going to be, you know, an every-down guy. So uh, I, I do think they could use Decker, uh, and, and, and time is running out. I mean, and so far what we've right. seen of him, it's, it's just not enough. What, you know what, speaking of that can of worms of Philip Dorsett, here's going to be my next question. I read multiple, multiple pieces over the over the uh, spring and summer talking about how much hard work he's put in you know he's had a full year in the system now he's had the off season to kind of get into it uh, is he do you think he's going to be on the on, on the opening on the 53 man to start the season and if he is do you think he lasts after the four game suspension when Edelman has to come back I, you know, I, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I sure think, I mean, I think he's a lock for the 53-man, and I also think that they're going to play him uh, like they played Brandon Cooks last year. They're going to play him a ton. Um, and, you know, I've really tried to, like, be, have an open mind about him because I feel like the best receivers that fit into this system are either the small, shifty guys, you know, like Branch and Edelman and Welker, you know, those guys that Brady always has a rapport with, or, you know, kind of bigger physical guys uh, David Givens, even Brandon LaFell, you know, we saw last year they brought in Cooks, and, and I mean, I, I, I think he was a great player to kind of have a debate over because you look at his statistics and it's like, wow, he had a great season. But I also think that there were so many times last year where they got stuck trying to chuck it down the field to Cooks. And, you know, yeah, sometimes they were complete, and there were certainly, you know, the Houston game winner is, is one example of a, of a great play, and, and he drew plenty of pass interferences. But I just felt like the offense was so inconsistent with that. And now what we're seeing, it seems like they're like, well, we can get rid of Cooks. We'll just slide Dorsett. He's basically the same kind of player. And, I'm, you know, you saw even against uh, this week against the Eagles, you saw him chuck it up and it falls incomplete. So he still really has to show me a lot. But from what I've seen in practice, 
it's him, Hogan, and Edelman. That that seems like right now that's the plan, and that's why I just I would really like to see Kenny Britt. I think he feels, fits the system better. Uh, I think he's a little more experienced. He's a little tougher. Um, so in my perfect world, it's Britt, Edelman, Hogan as the top three, and then you kind of work Dorsett in for some shots here and there. But I would say in the early going, you're going to be seeing a lot of Philip Dorsett, and I don't know how much he's going to do. I don't either. I, I, there's just been nothing that I've seen yet that makes me say, wow, that guy's really got it. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's nothing really that I saw with him when he was in Indianapolis that made me think, wow, you know, that guy's really... And that is an offense right there, like, you know, especially when, when Luck was somewhat healthy. Like, they were throwing all the time, or they were constantly behind in the first half and then throwing in the second half. So he should have put up some numbers and some solid numbers just by default. Because he was in a, was in one of those systems, and he just he just never did, and it was like yeah, that kind of gives you that that sort of red flag sort of thing. Who do you you know after a couple of games here so far, and of course we don't really know anything about these teams until after week three of the preseason, because that's when we really know who's playing. Um, I, I say that you know kind of sarcastically, but that is usually when most of the folks do have have someone playing. Who do you think in the East could give? New England the toughest time this year? Probably Miami? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I really like what, they, what they've what they done down there. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's, they, they got, they're in a good, Miami's in a good spot because they get to play the Patriots early in the season, you know, and they play them in New England, and, that, and that's the key game for the, these AFD teams. I went on a, a podcast, a Jets podcast yesterday, um, and they're feeling great, by the way. <laughs> so they're, they're very much on board with, uh, with you know, turmoil and the Patriots and Tom Brady's decline and all that. Um, but, you know, it's, you go back to what team in the AFC East can come in and win a game in Gillette. And it is, it, it's hard to do, and usually it's got to line up so that you catch the Patriots in those first four games when they usually have one or two flat games, stinkers. They're still trying to figure things out. They're throwing guys in there. So I think, you know, Miami could give them a run, especially if they can get that week four game. They can somehow pull off the, pull off the offset right there uh, they could set themselves up. And, you know, I mean, look, no matter how good or bad the Jets and the Bills and the Dolphins all are, they all seem to always put up a pretty good fight in their home stadium. Uh, and I think that that'll still be the case this year. You know, even when we've seen the Jets, you know, struggling over the last couple of years, they always give the Patriots a hard time. Uh, and, and I think the Patriots are going to have to earn every one of those road wins. You know, the uh, Kenny Britt thing is really, uh, this is just a guy that, you, know, you feel like he could contribute, but at the same time, he just can't get on the field. Like, how long do they 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 linger with him? You know what I mean? Is he is he close to getting back? Is he going to be able to get on a thing? Because if he can't get on the field before the end of training camp, I don't know if they're going to keep him around. Yeah, that's. I mean, it sounds like he was back out there uh, yesterday. So you know, that's a good sign. I mean, this is you know, this is the week. I mean, it, it's kind of like if you're not showing up now for week three, we all know what week four in the preseason looks like, and it's basically a scrub fest. Um, you know, if they're not, whoever doesn't show up this week, and, uh, and you know, I think Decker and Britt are the two main targets. Yes. Uh, it's hard to say, it's hard to make an argument for, for at least what we've seen. Who knows behind the scenes if they say, man, you know, Britt, he's probably just going to need a couple more weeks, and, and then we really think he has a grasp of the system, and, you know, he fits our system, and, you know, the, the style that we want to play. Um, you know, that could be the wild card, but I think really look at those guys that also throw the punt returner conversation in there because there's just been nobody who's who's stepped up and really done much of anything uh there this is the week we really need to see those kind of spots start to emerge 
Talking with Mike Dusso from Pat's Propaganda, patspropaganda.com. Do you think we see any more of Tom Brady in the preseason? Um, yeah, I think, I think we'll see a little bit of him, uh, of him this week. I mean, it's safe that we won't see him, obviously, next week. But, um, you know, I, I think it was very encouraging just to see how well he moved. I mean, you know, you, you can't believe this guy's 41. And, I mean, on that yeah. touchdown pass to Hogan, I mean, just the way he moves in the pocket still. I mean, you know, you compare that to Peyton Manning of 2015. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not even close. I mean, it, it, and I was, you know, unfortunately telling our, our friends on the Jets podcast that, you know, for all this talk of all the turmoil and behind the scenes and decline and all that stuff and all these questions that, you know, even we've been discussing now, it still looks like the same old Patriots, you know. And I know we've, you know, at years we've been enamored with, oh, we got Brandon Cooks, we're going to, you know, we got Randy Moss. You know, there, there's years where there's just so much buzz because of the talent. But uh, it always, for me, goes back to, you know, building a team, not collecting talent. And this looks like the same old Patriots team we've seen, you know, for the last almost 20 years. Yeah, it was amazing how many people get mad every year. How many people get mad every year about the lack of receivers on this team? And then, like, everybody has Rache Caldwell PTSD, I think. I really do. <laughs> like, the ones that still remember, like, I, I really do. I really feel like they... Um, they really feel like they were, you know, they, they still live through that. I think that was the first time anybody was like, wait a minute, how in the yeah. world? Because this, this Patriots team lose on anything, you know? And Yeah, and that that season was, was, you know, sure one to remember, uh, you know, with the branch holding out and then getting traded. And, you know, I mean, geez, they, and they almost made it. I mean, they, they almost won the Super Bowl. I mean, you get past, you hold on in the second half against Indy, and, you know, they, I, I'm pretty sure they were going to beat the Bears for the second time. And, uh, you know, I think 2013 was another interesting season as well when it was like it went from, all right, Welker's gone, Branch is gone. You know, Julian Edelman was a complete unknown. Everybody thought Danny Amendola was, you know, for Gile, as they say, you know, wasn't going to be able to put together a season. And then, you know, some of that bore out in the early part of his Patriots tenure. Um, you know, but, I mean, Kembrell Tompkins, I mean, these guys that they were rolling out there, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even a question. They didn't have a Chris Hogan and a Julian Edelman like they know they're going to have now. And it's like... Who really cares if you don't have Julian Allen in the first four weeks? It's like people are so concerned about that. It's like, what's going to matter is, is January and February. Have we forgotten that? So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, if you've got Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, James White, Rob Gronkowski, you know, you sprinkle in Cordero Patterson, they're going to be fine. I mean, that's, that's a Super Bowl competing offense. And, I mean, you know, we have these, these big problems where we all complain about who the third receiver is going to be and, and why fourth, the fourth safety Jordan Richards is still, you know, getting time in the preseason, you know. These are uh, and Brian Hoyer, the backup quarterback. He's just not good enough, you know. It's like these 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 problems are, are sure going to fade away about five years from now. That's for sure. Did you? What have you? What are your takeaways thus far of Danny Etling? Is he going to be on the practice squad this year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you know from from the practices I saw. I mean, it's kind of a, you know it's kind of the anti-Patriots performance. Uh, he he struggles a little bit with the short stuff and consistency. Um, but, you know, he was hitting some long balls, and, uh, and he sure can run. He's athletic. Um, you know, considering what you've got in the pipeline, which is nothing. Um, 0.0, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a slam dunk. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, continue to add some quarterbacks uh, on, the, on the practice squad over the season because I think you're at the point now where you've got to take a shot on everybody. You know, you've got to, anyone you have a chance to take a look at, potentially bring in and maybe develop behind the scenes and, you know, just 
get them a season or two under, you know, being Tom Brady's example and how hard he works and, you know, to kind of give them a little bit of training, you, you got to take advantage of Brady while you still have him. Uh, so, I, you know, yes, I think Etling will be on the practice squad, and, and I would be surprised if he's the only quarterback on the practice squad this season. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I've said it a million times, and I'll continue to say it because he's 41 years old, but... I mean, Tom Brady's, I don't even want to say a major injury. He is just an injury away from potentially being career-ending, and that's just devastating to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the great unknown, isn't it? I mean, it's, you know, that's what everybody kind of talks about, succession plans, and, you know, will, it, will he win a Super Bowl and sail off? In a, and, you know, you forget it's football. And just like Isaiah Wynn learned last week, you know, you can play, you know, years and years without an injury, and it only takes one weird play. Uh, I can't believe we escaped uh, Ndamukong Sue being in the AFC East without him. I mean, I know we had a couple hairy moments with him, uh, you know, falling into Brady's legs, but, uh, you know, no matter how pliable you are, somebody falls into your knees at the right angle, and, you know, we, so I don't want to bring up 2008, but, you know, that was a, a pretty prime case of it. Uh, it. It can all change in an instant. And then, you know, you look at, look at that storyline. I mean, think about the Tom Brady coming back from blowing out his knee at 42. I mean, that changes the whole narrative completely, and you know, and it's, and it, and the other thing is too, no matter how Brady's health goes, it's all going to be tied to TB12. No matter you know if anyone in the world, you know, you could have Gumby out there, and somebody falls into him, and he's going to still break something, even though he's the bendiest person on the planet. So you know, it, it, it's all going to be tied together, and, and I'm sure it's going to be really, really annoying. So I'm just trying to you know enjoy every game that we get to see number 12 take the field because you really don't. It could be over in one snap. Anytime. We've, we've seen it. We've witnessed it. We've lived that disaster. I don't want to live that again. I do not, I do not want this year to be the year of the Brian Hoyer Patriots. I just, Ooh. I don't, I want, I have no. no interest in that, Mike. I have no interest None. in that. Like, it no, went, less than the Mac Castle, the Mac Castle You know what? I actually wrote something back then, yep. which if I can find it at some point, I'll, I'll bring it back up. I was actually somewhat like after I got over the fact that you know Tom Brady's knee was ripped and that he wasn't going to come back that year I I got over that and I was like you know what this is kind of exciting it's exciting to see what Matt Castle can do right like at, yeah. at that point it was like it was going to be a challenge because you didn't know what to expect and sure enough I mean they won 11 games like I, everybody looks at that season like they they you know flopped on their face like you know they just had a couple they had a, a couple of bad games that kind of swung it the other way, and it would just have to be a freak year. It's similar to, like, Red Sox-Yankees this year. Like, any other time, Yankees fans are thrilled. Yankees fans right now, I mean, they're 10 games better than what they were doing last year when they went to Game 7 of the ALCS. It's just that this year, the Red Sox are on a, you know, a 30-game better pace or whatever it is. So they're frustrated with it. But that's kind of what happened that same year. Miami and the Jets just happened to be like decent in the same year and they all finished with 11 and 5 records. I mean that that any probably other, won't happen again. Any other year the Pats probably would have gotten the playoffs. Yeah, any any other time any other year they probably get in the second seed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think too. I mean Castle was terrible in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you if you would ask I mean, you know, everybody's freaking out about Brian Hoyer, which I'm just like, you know what, if Brady goes down like, you know, what what you know, is that like is that what's going to be the problem? Man, we if only we had a better backup this season would have been salvaged. I mean, people are already just saying, man, just win for Brady anyway. Um, but you know, I think 2008 was was uh, just a. I mean, it, it was. I mean, you just tried to kind of 
go with it and, you know, say, all right, well, let's see exactly what the system is. And, you know, ultimately that team, they just couldn't beat anybody good. I mean, they beat up on a terrible NFC West. Um, I saw them actually play in Seattle and in San Diego. Uh, they pulled on a miraculous victory in, in Seattle in the last minute. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, I, I think ultimately this football team is the best coach football team in the NFL. Uh, they have as strong a roster, 1-53, to as, you know, as anybody. Maybe their backup quarterback isn't quite that second-round uh, era parent that, that some people <laughs> wish it still was. Um, but, you know, you know that they're always going to be competitive. And, 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 I mean, that's just, as I, I mean, I get, I get sick of saying it. We're at the point now where all that really matters is injury. How healthy are they going to be? come mid-January. That's what's going to matter of how close they come to the Super Bowl or not. 100% agree. How much they... Are they going to have to start when they when they do get big leads this year? I think it's imperative that they start taking Brady out for those things. Oh, oh man. Isn't that going to be a talking point? I mean, people are going to be furious if there is... You know, I think we should just like make an establish now. It's like, all right, what's, what's the set time that's left? And what's the point total that, you know, that that's where we have to get them out? Can we all agree on that, you know? Because it's like, oh, I don't know, it was a 14-point lead with eight minutes left. Like, is that enough? Like, you know, but, I mean, it's, uh, and, and that's another thing, too. I think a lot of the, you know, kind of talk around Brady this year is like, I mean, he's 41. They, maybe they are pulling back his workload. Is that wrong? Like, you know, and, and why aren't they giving him a huge contract? He's 41. Like, you know, I, I, we, we've kind of entered this next phase of Brady, and, uh, you know, some people seem intent on you know continuing to hold him to this standard of you know living at the living at the stadium and you know getting a huge contract that you know and it, 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 it doesn't really work like that so I mean I would be all for it I'm sure you know it wouldn't be all that fun watching Brian Hoyer blow a lead uh, but you know they, they really do they gotta they have to be conscious of that now and you know we'll see how the wear and tear piles up on them because it's, it's a long season and, and as I said no matter how pliable you are football those miles add up quick. Last question: Is Rex Burkhead ever going to stay healthy? Is he ever going to get through a game without being dinged up? Because I, I mean, he—I mean, he's into yoga and all this other stuff now that was supposed <laughs> to help. And I have—I have yet to see him get through anything cleanly. Like, I know he's got a ton of talent. I mean, when I when I saw him in Cincinnati, I was like, man, there's a guy that's totally underutilized and will be a great Patriot someday. And sure enough, he signs with the Patriots, and he just could not stay healthy last year. And he really still can't really get healthy and fully healthy this year. I just, I worry that this is going to be another one of these guys that they're like, boy, he would have been really great if he just could have stayed healthy. Maybe he provides you with a couple of moments, but I'm worried about who that bell toll back is going to be this year. I know. And it, it just, it really depresses me because I, I really love Dion Lewis and, and, and everything, mm-hmm. you know, so. especially coming out from even Dion Lewis himself now. Uh, Dion Lewis talking about his Super Bowl usage, which I was, was critical of. Um, you know, it's like when was the last time they had an explosive back like that who could make people miss? And they're like, nah, we'll just re-sign Rex Burke, who's been hurt. We'll draft Sony Michelle, who's got a bone knee, and uh, you know, we'll we'll just figure it out. And I mean, I, I, I mean, I think Jeremy Hill. That's that's kind of the guy. I think we saw last year they uh, you know gave Mike Gillisley just a ton of carries through the first like six weeks. Uh, you know, and then he was never heard from again. I think you know, not to say that Jeremy Hill will will you know have that kind of fall off. But I think he's the guy that, that they might have to kind of lean on, and you know, especially with Burkhead. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, every time he plays, he looks like, you know, shot out of a gun. I mean, he's just got great explosion. He catches the ball well. You, you saw plenty of moments last year where you're like, all right, all aboard the Rex Burkhead train, and oh, he got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 and you know, he was still working back in the playoffs. So, I mean, I know that James White's a great player, uh, I, I think, but I think he is best 
in that kind of Kevin Fox specialty passing down. I hate when they open the game in a spread offense with James White, and it's like, hey, guess what's coming right now, guys? The passing game. You know, it's just I feel like they're so one-dimensional with him, and as effective as he is on third down, it's like save him for third down. Save him for those critical moments. Let's not try to run the whole offense on him. Let's get somebody in there like Hill or a healthy Burkhead who can really bang and, you know, open the defense, soften the defense up, so to speak. I mean, I don't want to be the established the run guy. But, you know, there's a certain physicality that you certainly have now with, with Trent Brown at left tackle and, you know, the athleticism of Shaq Mason on those pulls and everything. Um, they're just built to run the ball, and, and it's like they just have no healthy running backs to actually do it. So hopefully hopefully Jeremy Hill is the guy. He stays healthy, and, and who knows? Maybe it's finally time for Rex Burkett to have a healthy season. Mike Dusso, Pat's Propaganda, patspropaganda.com. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Of course, Patriots playing the Panthers on Friday night, 730 Mike, we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's Mike Duso from Past Propaganda. We'll take a break. Mark Kellen, then Easterman Sports Around the Bend. It's a B-list on a Monday. You're listening to 